Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, the NHL trade deadline has come and gone for the NHL. This is Chad Benton, your host with Rich Howe and Colin Bluen, and this is the Catfish and Ice Podcast, episode 35. How are you doing today, guys, on this Monday as we've moved past the NHL trade deadline? It's uh, it's Catfish on Ice Daytime Edition. That's right. <laughs> daytime Edition. After, normally we're coming to you all of like it, like normally we're coming to you uh, like nine or ten o'clock at night. As you can see, the sun's pouring through the windows, at least in my house anyway, where I'm recording anyway. But, I, got, um, I got those blackout yeah, curtains. It, it, it's giving me some different vibes for sure because we definitely usually record this late in the evening, usually after a Preds game. But like we definitely wanted to go on live. We definitely wanted to go on live for the for this segment because the NHL trade deadline just happened. Wasn't a ton of fireworks for this deadline, but there were some big moves. There were a lot of moves that happened within the Central Division, mm-hmm. so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Preds and how they did make one move very late after the deadline and actually passed. It trickled out, came out. They made a move. We're going to talk about who they just made. Uh, and we're going to talk about how we feel about their strategy, which is basically they didn't do much of anything. So we're going to talk about our feelings about that when it comes to the long-term future, the playoff push, all that stuff. And then we're going to definitely get into the game against the Dallas Stars, which was I'm going to go ahead and say was one of the most exciting games of the season, in my opinion. That game had me on the edge of my seat. Couldn't get enough of it. I brought up in the past that my roommate is a diehard Dallas Stars fan. I was watching this game with him. And it's really fun to watch uh, an opposing fan squirm and toss and turn as they're watching the game. I was doing the same thing watching the game uh, with him because that was a back-and-forth game. So we're going to get into that, talk about the implications of that win last night against the Dallas Stars. And then we've got an awesome interview that we had with Ray Perkin, who writes for the uh, Hockey Writers, covers the National Predators. He's also a big Ottawa Senators fan as well. We had an interview with him talking about all things Predators. We, he has a lot of really good opinions on the Preds, and we we were very honored to have him join the podcast. So that's going to wrap up the episode uh, for tomorrow when you download the podcast that you'll hear that interview. So let's go ahead and get right into it. Again, we are presented by DraftKings. This is the Catfish and Ice podcast, episode 35. And let's talk about DraftKings real quick. DraftKings is our sponsor. It's the top-rated sportsbook app in America. It's safe, secure, and reliable. And you can use our promo code THPN right now for new users to have a lot of fun with this home stretch of the NBA season that's going on right now. Uh, The teams We got a lot of NBA teams making a playoff push. And right now, what you can do is download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free bets if the basketball team of your choosing hits a three-pointer three-point shot. That's code THPN to turn $1 into $100 in free bets. 
For a limited time only at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. So go have fun with the DraftKings Sportsbook app and bet on some NBA basketball. A lot of fun there. So let's talk about the trade deadline that just passed. Uh, You know, of course, things can trickle out after the deadline officially passes and the clock hits that official deadline. And let's talk about what the Preds did. They actually came out and traded a seventh-round pick for Eric – what's his last name again? No, you tell us. Uh, uh, Gubranson. Eric Eric Gubranson from the Ottawa Senators. Uh, He's been in the league for a while now. He's a pretty big guy, pretty big body. Um, but Surprise. it's got a lot of us. It's got a lot of us scratching our heads right now because we've. I, I felt pretty good about what the youth has done this season, and I, this screams at me that the Preds aren't confident in what they have, and so they felt the need to go out and get a veteran defenseman to boost their depth, and so that's why this uh, tra- this trade is a head scratcher for me. I'm not saying it's like some some trade that's going to ruin everything. It's a very low-end deal, seventh-round pick, not a big deal. But it's still just a really puzzling trade. Uh, Colin, how do you feel about it, man? It's unnecessary. I mean, it was kind of like a trade just to, to be announced. Like, we were, like, we were watching the deadline go by, and David Poy was like, you know, he's like, I, I think we need to do something just so we can get the Preds' name out there. And this was the, the movie came up with because it just – it doesn't feel necessary. I mean, guys like Carrie Davies, um, you know, they've been playing very well. Uh, we've got Harper – I don't get the the dislike for Harper. I think he's a very solid defenseman. Yes, he stays home. He's not necessarily the fastest skater, but he also is not a liability, and he's good at d- disrupting in the neutral zone and in the offensive zone. He's a big body. He can he can lay the hits when he needs to, but I think he's very serviceable for a third pairing um, and less mistake prone than like a Barowieski even. And so you know, and we still don't have Burrow back. We have Benning that's been okay. Like we have Frederick Allard, but we have so many guys that are out there that are kind of waiting for their chance that are probably more talented in terms of just where they are right now, even being rookies. Messi's a veteran and that's all well and good, but like veteran presence to me, it's hard for me to say like, okay, he's a veteran. So like he deserves a chance because he's not really done much with his career with his veteran ship, I guess, for lack of a better term. Like the guy isn't exactly, you know, he's not, he's not a game changer for me. So yes, it's a depth move. And obviously like we've been bitten by injuries, but we've also had a lot of guys step up. And I guess that, you know, when we do get healthy, um, He's going to be eating in some playing time, and I'm not sure who I would take out in favor of him. Um, I mean, there's some guys that were starters at the beginning of the season, like Barowieski, who I think might be you know scratches from here on out just because I think that there are some rookies that play better, not just only on the defensive side of things, but also in special teams play. So that's kind of where I'm at with it is it's kind of a, a nothing move. I guess we just you know didn't think much of the seventh-round pick or uh, Brandon Fortunato, but, you know, and I feel kind of bad for him. I, well, maybe it's a fresh start for him. He can – be better in their system, but it just seems kind of unnecessary. Like it was just a move to make a move more than anything is what it feels like. Uh, what are your thoughts on it, Rich? I kind of agree with Colin there. It's, it just feels like a move that didn't seem like it really changes much. Like it's just, it's like a move for the sake of making a move almost like, you know? Right. Yeah. First off, glad to see your boys uh, 
beards are coming back in <laughs> slowly but surely. Slowly yeah, but surely. yeah, mine's yeah, mine's uh, doing yeah. pretty well. But it, it now now yeah. it just feel it's like in that annoying length where it's like yeah. I want to shave it. like it's not a yeah, full beard. Like so, I'm in that yeah. weird transition mode when it comes to when it comes to the playoff beard, as I should say. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree with Colin as well. Uh, this it kind of feels like when they picked up Corbini and Holzer last year. We were just talking about it before, and. I think in our Predlines group, somebody, it might have been Colin, maybe somebody else said maybe Fabro and Borowiecki are hurt more than they're letting on or Carrier and they're just trying to get some depth. Yeah, that's actually people. good. That's a good, that's, that's a really good way to look at it though, actually. Yeah. Uh, you, it do have some linger, you do have, you do have some lingering in, injuries that we don't know the full extent of. So yeah. that is a that is a really good way to look at it there, Rich. Yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't my idea, but that's, that's a good point. It might be why. And like you said, he's a big body, uh, 6'5", 222, I believe is what they said. Plus, they and, he's got yeah. and he's and a veteran. And he's a veteran. veteran leadership. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. not, none of us are sitting here saying like, oh, my God, this move is just horrible. What are you thinking? It's more or less just like a like a weird, like, you didn't see it yeah. coming. Like, I didn't expect yeah. them to address it in this way. If yeah. anything, I saw them selling current assets in terms of players. I definitely didn't see them going trading a draft pick to add a player yeah. i didn't see that coming yeah. plus you kind of you kind of feel a little bad for the youth guys you know because that's going to take he could take somebody's spot who we will you know we, we talk about the youth movement and we want to see these guys get as much playing time as possible and now you know that might not happen but they're making the push i guess so i mean they're i mean so gubranson they're adding they're adding a veteran for sure he's got i mean he's got let's see here over 500 games of NHL experience. Wow. So, I mean, the guy's been around for a while. He puts up a lot of hits. Uh, this current season, he's got over 90 hits, 92 hits. Maybe so, I mean, why. he's a big body, 51, 51 block shots on the season. He's coming over here from the Ottawa Senators. So, I mean, he's going to do some dirty work. He's definitely – and t- to look at it on the positive side, you are getting this player – for a seventh round pick. So it's not mm-hmm. like you're taking this huge risk and you're making this bold move that can come back and really hurt you. The only thing that you have to look at is it does mean you're taking away a spot for a Ben Harper or, right. you know, yeah, a Carrier yeah. or, or a Benning. I forgot to mention Ferentz. I mean, or David Ferentz, yeah. Game. So that, that's kind of that's the trade-off you're making there is you're probably moving out some youth to put you – you're basically saying you would rather have a veteran in that spot. Right. Is what you're getting out of that. But other than that, I mean, I guess stuff could still come out after the deadline, something major. But from or you know, we're we're recording live like 45 minutes past the deadline right now for all of our uh podcast listeners who go and download the podcast uh, tomorrow. So yes, a, a move could come out after we finish recording, but as of now, the Preds pretty much stayed inactive for the deadline. They didn't sell off. They didn't sell off Michael Granlin. They didn't sell off Matias Ekholm. They didn't make any big splashes when it came to selling, which we thought was for sure going to happen going back a month and a half ago, or even two months ago. And so, uh, yeah. Uh, but let's let's look at this. So the trade deadline uh, came and went, and there has been some other moves that have occurred, and within the Central Division. And so is there any moves that are sticking out to you guys as far as uh, other Central Division teams like the Chicago Blackhawks were pretty busy? They made some moves. The Columbus Blue Jackets fire sale is in full force. That's a big one. Yeah. 
Well, that kind so, of sings too because I'm looking at the Columbus Blue Jackets, and we kind of need them to be the disruptors and the and the the spoilers for us to help us beat back uh, Chicago and Dallas. And so mm-hmm. to see them selling kind of makes me a little anxious because I'm like, man, I, I wanted you guys to at least steal one or two uh, in your series against you know Chicago and Dallas. And they kind of t- the, the Blue ja- the Blue Jackets ended up taking the role that we thought we would be in. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. kind of what ended up happening. So. uh so yeah. yeah, but let's let's look at some other big moves. So the Panthers picked up uh, Sam Bennett uh, from mm-hmm. the Calgary Flames. Uh, let's see, uh, Soderberg went to the Colorado Avalanche from the Chicago Blackhawks. I felt like that was a pretty big move yeah. for the for the Avalanche for sure. I think that's a really good trade for them. And They're really so the Blackhawks, the Blackhawks part. The Blackhawks also traded uh, Matthias Yanmark, a yeah. good young player, mm-hmm. a good young forward. They traded him. And they uh, picked up a second round pick in 2021, a third round pick in 2022. So the Blackhawks have been very, very active. It, yeah. Probably like more so than any other team in the in the Central Division. And the Tampa Bay Lightning, everyone's like, gosh, like can the Tampa Bay Lightning get any better? And I think they did. <laughs> I think the Tampa yeah. Bay Lightning actually got better. They picked up uh, they picked up uh, Savard, uh, David Savard from the Detroit Red Wings. Or it was a three-team trade, but they ended up getting him from the Columbus Blue Jackets, actually. And it was a three-team trade with the uh, Detroit Red Wings were involved in that. And so, yeah, so the Tampa Bay Lightning get themselves another very quality defenseman. So the rich get richer. Yeah. The big one, the big one that I had just heard while we were waiting to come on here was the Anthony Mantha. The, yeah. Uh, Detroit traded him came, to, uh, to, to Washington. Late, yeah. For a yep. first round that's, pick, that, that's that's, that's a bit yeah, that's a big haul. The the Red Wings are stocking up on some draft picks there. Uh, it's it should be no surprise that the Red Wings are sellers, obviously. Yep. Uh, and you you look at the Washington Capitals; they definitely made a big move there. Uh, you got to like that move for the Capitals. They're definitely all in and they're buying, so that shouldn't be a big surprise. But I think mm-hmm. that's a good move for the Capitals. Mm-hmm. And one and for Mantha, more power, <laughs> David Poyle. Yeah. Poyle. Or not even pull uh, to Laviolette. I'm excited. Yep. I think he, I think they're trying to get a run because I mean they're in a good position to do so. So more power to yeah, him. Yep. And then an- another big move within the Central Division that happened yesterday was the Blue Jackets uh, sent uh, Nick Foligno to the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the Blue Jackets got a fourth round pick in 2022 and a first round pick in yep. 2021. And I'm pretty sure I saw somewhere that the Blue Jackets are stockpiling some first-round picks. They have like so, nine over uh, the next four years or something. I know they yeah. have three of the next year's draft. It's crazy. They're going to have – So the, they, the, mean, rebuild, they, rebuild. the rebuild is on for the Columbus Blue Jackets is what we can really pull from from the NHL trade deadline. Yeah. And so that, that that covers a lot of the big ones. Uh, like we said, uh, a lot of action did happen in the Central yeah. Division. So uh, my question uh, – I got a question for you guys. How long do you think Tortorella sticks around? Since I mean, all this stuff with with Columbus is a rebuild. Looking, it's looking like a Tortorella doesn't seem like a rebuild kind of guy. So I'm wondering. Like, I'm pretty when, sure. I'm pretty sure a lot of. Pe- I don't think a lot of people expected the Blue Jackets to be in this heavy of a a, a sell off mode. A lot of people they, had. Well, I was gonna say I thought they might sell off uh, Patrick Line even after, after getting him early in the season. Yeah, they they. I mean, he was definitely the Blue Jackets were definitely one of those playoff bubble teams. Yeah, and, and a, lot a lot of people, people had him penciled in. A lot of people were also wanting to get Tortorella out of here, so he might wind up leaving on his own. Yeah, there you go. But the Blackhawks, I think, were definitely the most active team. Yeah, in the division for that. sure, and they're still hanging around. 
in, in the playoff push. So we'll have to see how this changes their team. There's a lot to sort out when it comes to what the Blackhawks did. But uh, yeah, so now let's 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 refocus on what the Preds did. So they didn't really do much other than adding the defenseman there for the seventh round pick. And so they're basically making a statement that they feel very confident in moving forward with this playoff push with what they have. What you can't argue with that with that type of thinking, considering how great this last month and a half has been for the team. So, I mean, I was still on the on the side of selling. Uh, trading Michael Granlin was the big one. I thought they should have done that. Maybe there wasn't a good enough deal out there on the table. That's possible. Uh, I find it hard inter- to believe, though. I mean, I mean, there's yeah. I find it hard to believe too. I find it hard <laughs> to believe too. Yeah. Especially like, be, you watch him. I'll be. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Rich. I was just gonna say, especially the way like you watch him when they played Dallas last night, which we're gonna talk about in a little bit, and he was playing really well, hitting people like. He, I, mean, I thought his, he was doing pretty good. His stock has to be so high. And you look at the point yeah. where, you know, the Buffalo got for some of their guys. And it's like, man, if there was a time for the Preds to sell, it probably is right now because people mm-hmm. are paying through, you know, through the nose for some of these guys. You figure Granlin could get something similar to what Taylor Hall got because the production is pretty, pretty similar <laughs> in terms of what they've been doing. So it just, yeah, uh, it's, it's it, weird. It just tells me that the Preds are very confident in what they have and they feel really good about not only securing that fourth playoff spot eventually, but actually making some noise and being competitive. And I just feel like if the – first of all, if the Preds somehow slip up and don't end up making the playoffs, they fall out of that fourth spot and either the Dallas Stars take it or the Chicago Blackhawks take it, we're really going to look back at this trade deadline and really feel like what were we thinking. We could have gotten some good value in return – but instead, we went all in with what we had, and we didn't even make the playoffs anyway. I'm really hoping that doesn't happen, obviously, but that's kind of like, you know, just thinking that way. It's like, man, they really do have to deliver now and get in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. And, and then with what and, they decided to do. And beyond that, like, what do you do with expansion draft? What do you do with these restricted free agents? Um, There's you know, so much with, to figure out. There's so much yeah, to figure yeah. out going into next season when it comes Lots to this current roster. So well, that's going to be hey, it's yeah. going to make it's going to make for a very entertaining offseason, I got to tell you that. Oh yeah. If you're if yeah. you're if you're a Preds fan, uh it's not going to stop for you. Even no. when the season's over, this offseason is going to be a very interesting one to follow if you're a Nashville Predators fan. So stay yeah. tuned for that. We will and be covering our, all that. Our uh, our our man uh, Lucas Pisa made it through unscathed, so we'll have him still. Yeah. So I'm I'm happy about I mean, that. Some other pieces I thought the Preds were definitely possibly trade I, I i really felt like eric hollow was a high possibility of being traded mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. didn't happen brad um brad richardson who hasn't even played hardly this season so it's kind of like you feel confident in trading him away because you haven't needed him anyway so yeah. I, i'm just i'm just really surprised that, that that more moves weren't made by the preds but again a lot of people did see this coming there was there. It was starting to feel that way that the Preds weren't going to do much, and that's see, that's what that's what ended up happening. So mm-hmm. now the Preds have to seal the deal, and they got to get in the playoffs. Like the pressure's on. Yeah. Yep. The pressure is really on. Poyle's either going to be a genius or a pariah. One yeah. or the other. And it's it's really easy to be an armchair GM and mm-hmm. hindsight's twenty twenty, all that good stuff. Look back, Monday morning quarterback type of stuff. We yep. it, it, it's hard to be in his position. So we're not pretending like we'd be better than him at it. For, definitely not. Did and you so say, we're, we're going to have to wait and see how this happens. Did you say Heinz site? 
hindsight. Yeah. Sorry. That's, that's what I was going. That's what I was going for there. That's what I was going for. Glad, glad you picked up on that, Colin. That's what I was going for. Hindsight. All right. Like, so now that the NHL trade deadline's over and the Preds are basically moving forward with, with what they have and what's gotten gotten them here, let's talk about arguably one of the biggest wins of the season. And that's what they just did last night against the Dallas Stars. For the third time this season, they beat the Stars in the shootout. And all four of their wins have taken overtime or the shootout to beat the Dallas Stars. But they got the win. They got that extra point, which is critical. And like I just said earlier in the episode – it was probably one of the most exciting games I've seen this season, if not the most exciting game I've watched this season. Yeah. I was I, I couldn't get enough of it. So I mean, what what's what, what stood out to you, Colin, about the game the most? It was awesome. I, I'm glad that we got the win. I think that there's a lot. I'll get to the, the the details here in a second, but I am a little nervous just because we did let them get another point. You know, it's one mm-hmm. of those things where I would have loved to have beaten them in regulation because. They're they're racking up those overtime points, and, and that I feel is going to be like it's going to bite us in the ass at some point. I mean, and I hope it fif- doesn't. 15, 14, and eleven—that's the record. That is just the weirdest record I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, fifteen and, wins, fourteen yeah. losses, eleven overtime losses to give them a point percentage of point five one two, which is tied with Chicago. Interestingly enough, they had the mm-hmm. same point percentage. And then you got the Preds sitting up there at 0.547 uh, point percentage. So the Preds got got themselves a little bit of a, a cushion here, even with the Dallas Stars having those games in hand. Yeah, I mean it, it's 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 gonna be a wild ride. That's that's all we can really say about it. But as far as the game goes, you know we we looked good. I think the intensity was there. I, I would say even with you know Olivier being out, which was kind of a, of a concern, um, the herd line just they they looked. Really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yakov Trenin was destroying some people. Tanner um, Janot. Tanner Janot was wrecking people. Tanner Janot looked like Derrick Henry in a Predators jersey with the way he was nope. destroying some guys, um, which is good. I mean, that that, that physicality, like that, that wears on a team. You can see Dallas over time. Like initially they were trying to test the waters a little bit, trying to be physical with us. And when we got physical back, you saw Dallas back off a little bit and kind of play a little more – Tim made a little more straightforward hockey, which I think is good because it let us set the tone a little bit more. I mean, they're, they're a hard team in general to set the tone against, but yep. we get more leeway to do so when we can play that physical game like that. Um, the third period, I think both teams were gassed because it just seemed like it was it was trading punches, but nobody really getting sustained offense. There were some times where I got nervous, and, and you know we always kind of see a little, little bit of that bad habit creeping back where it's like we don't clear the zone fast enough mm-hmm. or we turn yes, it over in our zone. Too. I mean, even the first goal they got where Ellis turned it over, it was just like, come on, guys. Like, we're, we're better than that. There were, we know we need to be better than that. So, the, so the, I'm, I'm glad you brought up that point, Colin, because what I saw, especially in that third period, was the Preds were very fortunate to not give up a goal and, yeah. fall, behind, and, and fall behind or even give up. Or, you know, like, basically, I, I felt like the, the, the Preds were about to really lose control of the game. Yeah. Uh, they couldn't get it out of the zone to save their lives. Uh, the stars were settling in, and you were you were just waiting. Like they looked gassed, like you said. Like the Preds looked really gassed. They were on fumes, and they just kept figuring out ways to. And I think the stars also had some self inflicted wounds for yeah. sure. They iced the puck a couple times when the the Preds didn't even force it. So the mm-hmm. the stars didn't do themselves any favors. And I think if no. you're a Stars fan, you were leaving last night's game extremely frustrated that you didn't put the nail in the coffin and beat the Preds in regulation. I will say the biggest thing that stood out to me, though, the penalty kill. I mean, for the penalty kill to <laughs> oh, work wow, three yeah. times, 
the yes. penalty kill has been so much better than what it was in the beginning of the year. I mean, we we saw what it looked like when they when we allowed seven you know goals, and basically I think it was like five of them were off penalties. For three penalty kills to all be converted, yeah, that's awesome. We can't beat that. We I'd like to say power play do it, but that's a good start. What did you see from the game, Rich? What was kind of your some of your takeaways from it? So just how tough the Predators were playing. They were just taking the fight to Dallas, which, you know, we all know how tough Dallas is. So the Predators wound up with 33 hits to Dallas's 22, and usually that's – Insane total. Nowhere near total. that. So, and then, you know, the Predators had fewer shots on goal. There was a point where it was like – 14 shots on goal. I think in the third yeah. third period for a big time, they, yeah, yeah. they added to that total late in the game. They did, yeah. They wound up with 20. But just that third period, like you said, was real – it was kind of weird because, like, it was just nonstop back and forth. There weren't any, you know, no whistles, and they, they just were – it was a really good hockey game. Just that back and forth was awesome. So, yeah, looking good. at the yeah. shots on looking at the shots on goal by period, the Preds only had thirteen shots on goal coming mm-hmm. into the third period, and then they only added four shots on goal in the third period, and then they added another three shots on goal in the overtime period. Which that overtime period was back and forth. Usually mm-hmm. in overtime on three and three hockey, you see one team kind of take that opening face off and control the possession, and it's like here we go. But yeah. not in this case. A, in this case, both teams had their chances in overtime before it went. And then how about Victor Arvidsson almost beat the clock right before really? overtime hit? He it, it almost felt like you were watching the last possession of a basketball game almost. Like the Preds took it down to like six seconds left, and then Arvidsson rushes up the ice, yep. crashes the net. I mean, that was like – yeah, uh, that was, that was insane. Grimaldi did that too. He he took it to yeah. the net too. I think that's what I like to see is these guys are just putting it all out there. You know, we we didn't see that at all last year, and they you know they're definitely even the beginning of the season, and then they've really turned into like a, a shout totally out, different team. Yeah. Shout out to Yakov Trenin for getting the third star of the game. Good yeah. for him. I mean, he played awesome a great game, and that, that goal getting the, the puck towards the net plus the hits. Like, the dude was – the. I mean, the herd line's been putting in the work. They're really mm-hmm. – we say they're the fourth line, but they're the tone setters. In a lot of ways, I look at them more like a, a 2B or even a, thir- a 3B kind of line because they just yeah. – they've got talent. They're just more of a physical presence than an offensive presence. But, I mean, he showed that that physicality can produce offense, which is what you want to see from a line like that. So, good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Got to show a, a lot worried. of love. Got to show a lot of love to Tanner Janot. Tanner Janot, oh, yeah. man, he he oh, came yeah. in and and played a very very solid game. I think he put up four hits in the game. Did not look like a rookie team. against a, a team that was that's a pretty big team. I mean, he was he was jarring with everybody from Ben to all those guys. Like they, they he was not going to be intimidated by any of them. Yeah, Arvid got see a fight. That was good. Arvid yeah, that's such a weird. That's such a weird thing to see. He was he yeah. was not happy at all about something. No, and, and no. you know what? He shouldn't have been. I don't blame him one bit because when they were fighting over by the bench, um, who was it? Was it Como? Was that who it was, or was it Cogliano? It was I don't remember. Cogliano. Yeah, I think it was so Cogliano. when they were when they were all tied up in the bench, Cogliano punched him Arvidsson right in the face, right in front of the ref, and you know you can't yeah. blame Arvidsson yeah, at all. Was- well, Arby like just kind of kind of punched back, but I don't think Arby really intended for it to be a fight. And then he just kept going at it. And Arby was like, "All right, I'm over this." And they let him go this at is, it. This is kind of the identity that the Preds are getting now, though. They're they're like, yeah. "Okay, you're not going to intimidate us. You're not going to push us around. You might have the more talented team on paper. Yada yada yeah. yada. We might have all these rookies and all the same experience. We are not backing down. Yeah. And that, as a fan, you can't get enough of that. No, you yeah, you love it. 
They said that was Arvidsson's uh, only his second fighting major of his career, which that's wow. That's yeah. that. Well, that's, the that, fact that, he, that doesn't like, surprise me. The yeah. fact that he uprooted a guy and put him down on the ice and then mm-hmm. got some yeah. hits on top of him, and he's a he's the smaller guy in that fight. That was awesome to see. So. Yeah, it was great. So stand, standings up, standings update. How about this? The Preds are tied with the Blue Jackets and the Red Wings for the most games played in the division now. Oh, wow. They've played forty. They played forty three games. So you got to kind of like pay attention to that because that's kind of like you got to pay attention to these games in hand. So uh, the Preds got forty seven points, twenty three wins, nineteen losses, one overtime loss, and at forty seven points, they got a four point cushion on the Chicago Blackhawks. And of course, they've dominated that season series, haven't lost to the Chicago Blackhawks all season. And we've got a three game stretch coming up against the Chicago Blackhawks, three games in a row. That's that. That's your playoff right there. That's probably Mm – you sweep those three games and then you're starting to feel pretty confident that the Preds are going to make this playoffs, playoff spot. It's going to be – it's going to be – I mean, it's going to depend on Dallas too because they've still got some games in their pocket. But, I mean, that's the thing is, yeah, we set the tone with that. If we win those three games, if we can steal one or two from – this uh, upcoming Tampa Bay and uh, the uh, the Canes that'd be really helpful for us, especially with keeping pace with uh, the look Stars. At, uh, so, yeah. look, look at Dallas's remaining schedule; they've got a really tough remaining schedule. They still got to play Carolina twice. They still got to play uh, Tampa Bay twice. They've got a lot of games against Chicago coming up too, and so Dallas can still very well control their own destiny and mm-hmm. make the playoffs. So we've been saying this for a couple weeks now. Keep an eye on the Dallas Stars, which makes that win last night all the more important. Even if it did once again take a shot, you still love to get that extra point, build yourself a little more cushion against the Dallas Stars, put that pressure on them. And so that's what we're taking away from the game. This is episode 35 of the Catfish on Ice podcast. Coming at coming at you during the day, midday. Midday. Version. Up next, Catfish Colin has the weather. <laughs> yeah, like we're, we're like on the radio. I was going to say, different cities here. <laughs> and I'll, 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 do, I'll go ahead and do the traffic report and tell you that it's the same as it is every day. Interstate 24 is a log jam. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so the Preds are playing very well. I think we should be really excited. Even if they didn't do much at the trade deadline, I think we should still have a lot of, uh, a lot of confidence that they're going to get that fourth spot. What they do past that remains to be seen. But if they yep. somehow miss the playoffs after not doing much at the trade deadline, it's going to look really bad. So let's hope that doesn't happen. Uh, coming up next on episode 35 of the Catfish and Ice podcast presented by DraftKings, go use the promo code THPN if you're a new user with the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Uh, coming up next on episode 35 is our interview with Ray Perkin of the Hockey Riders. He covers the Preds. He's a big friend of the show. Uh, he he joined us uh, earlier this week to talk all Preds, talk about the expansion draft, talk about their chances in the playoffs, talking about contract situations going into the offseason. We got into a lot of really good stuff with Ray Perkin of the Hockey Writers. So make sure you download the podcast tomorrow and check that out. If you're watching live on Periscope and Twitter right now, make sure you go download the Catfish and Ice podcast, episode 35 tomorrow, to check out that interview. And we will be right back for that. Until then, everyone take care. And we will see you later this week for episode 36.
And we're back for episode 35 of the Captain Fish on Ice Talk. Brought to you by the Network and presented by DraftKings. Go download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use our promo code THPN to get on the uh, all the fun that's going on in the sports world right now. And so now we're uh, really excited to have uh, an awesome guest join our show, and that is uh, Ray Perkin, who covers the Nashville Predators for the, the Hockey Writers and also does so does his own movie blogging uh project on the side so uh ray how are you doing today i'm doing great the sun is shining the the weather's warm here up in uh atlantic canada so things are things are looking up yeah yeah so you're yeah uh, you're uh so you're from uh way on the east coast of canada right like way up there, that's right kind of, yeah like, kind of explained to our listener kind of explained to our listeners kind of where you're joining us from yeah, so I'm in uh, I'm in the province of New Brunswick, so in in the east coast of Canada. Uh, so we we don't really have uh, a national hockey league uh, presence here in, on the east coast. Uh, there's a lot of teams that play in the in the Canadian Hockey League, uh, like the Moncton Wildcats and the Halifax Mooseheads and the uh, Charlottetown Islanders are all teams based here. But we don't really have uh, an NHL team in this region. Uh, so the fandoms are kind of scattered mostly between Boston, Montreal, and Toronto. So uh, I'm a bit of an outlier because I don't cheer for for any of those yeah. teams. But uh, but there there there's a lot of uh, you know big passionate NHL fans out here. Sure. Obviously, Talk with guys like uh, guys like Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon are from Nova Scotia. Sean Couturier is from uh, the northern part of New Brunswick. Uh, so there there's despite the fact that there's no teams out here, there's still a lot of really passionate fans for. For various teams and various players as well. Yeah, so I guess I guess part of it is there's not a I guess there's not a big enough market to support an NHL team up there. I'm just kind of surprised because I know that hockey's got to be like such such a big passion for for that part of Canada, really in all of Canada. So I guess that would be part of it, right? Is this just not a big enough market to support an NHL team in that part of the of Canada? Yeah, population-wise, we're a pretty small region, uh, and most of the region is pretty rural as well. Like Halifax would probably be the biggest, uh, the biggest city in terms of a like yeah. an NHL style of market. Uh, not to say like I think if I mean it would it would take a lot of uh, legwork and kind of pre-research and everything, but I think if the NHL was to someday put a franchise in Halifax, I think it would be successful. It would be kind of one of those uh, smaller market type team similar to like what Winnipeg is doing. Like Winnipeg's not a huge yeah. uh, market as far as a city goes, but just the regional, uh, you know, the regional passion for the team is very strong. I think you could someday have something similar like that uh, in Halifax. I don't like, there's nothing in the works as far as yeah. I know to do with that, but um, you know, we're, I think, we're be, I think Canada deserves another, another team in the future. So we'll just have to see how that goes eventually. But yeah. um all right, so and you also do the movie blogging for uh, Talking Films. I know there's tons of uh, movie buffs out there. I know one of my co-hosts, uh, Rich Howe, is a big uh, movie guy, so um, I'm sure he would love to talk with you on the side about all the stuff you do with that. But let's go ahead and get into this Preds talk here. Uh, of course, you uh, cover the Preds for the Hockey Writers, which is a great publication. I invite everyone to go uh, read read the content on the Hockey Writers. I know I do myself. So, um Let's go ahead and jump right into uh, what's going on with the Preds. Of course, they are unexpectedly in this playoff hunt, and they were dead in the water not even a month and a half ago, and now all of a sudden they are 
on everyone's radar across the NHL landscape. They're in the fourth playoff spot currently and just playing some great hockey. And so uh, let's go ahead and get into uh, – and, of course, they're ravaged by injuries. The injuries just keep coming Man. and coming. Every day there is a new player that's that's put on IR. It's just – and these injuries are coming out of nowhere. They're not like these crazy injuries that are happening during the game that you notice. It's like it's it's coming the next day. And so – let's. but let's start off with this. I want to ask you this, Ray. What's been some of the biggest standouts from the Preds this season as far as – whether it's players or some type of statistic that sticks out to you or something like that. but And I know there's a lot to choose from, but just, but just kind of give me some of the biggest things that have stood out so far this season for you. Yeah, well, in, in terms of players, I mean, it's it's easy to go down the road of looking at Ely Tolvanen and how well mm-hmm. he's played. Uh, it's easy to look at a guy like Callie Yarncroke and how well he's played. Uh, but for me, for, for whatever reason, um, over the last month or so, uh, I guess my kind of primary focus, like the the group that I end up watching the most whenever whenever I'm watching the Preds, is the blue line. Um, and you know, ob- like you referred to injuries, like about a month ago, the blue line was just decimated. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Yossi was out of the lineup, Ellis was out of the lineup, Borvietsky was out of the lineup. I think Ekholm was also out of the lineup for a game along with all that crew. Yeah. Um, but the blue line uh, has really impressed me over the last month. Uh, and in particular, all these young guys who who keep popping into the lineup, like Alex Carrier, his first few games, he looked right at home. Uh, Jeremy Davies, his first few games, he looked right at home. Uh, you know, David Ference the other night, even Tyler Lewington, like their confidence with the puck, uh, all those young guys has been really, really impressive. Um, obviously, Yossi, since he came back from his injury, had, like he, he did not have a good start to the year. No he one on not. the blue line had a good nope. start to the year. Um, and I, I think that's, you know, if you were to point to a turnaround in the season, uh, it's to, to me, it's the play of the blue line. Like the first 20 or so games, the like one through six, the entire blue line was bad. They were not good. Uh, yeah, Yossi was putting up points, but he looked lost in the defensive zone. He didn't look like um, himself at all. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He, he had a couple of a couple of flashes here and there, like he had an overtime goal early in the season. That was a mm-hmm. highlight. But other than that, like he was pretty quiet and didn't look like himself at was okay but not the at home that he's been since he came back from injury uh you know borvietsky and benning as the third pair like i was excited about that third pair at the start of the year before the season started uh but they looked lost in the defensive zone too but it's it's funny because since although all those big names on the blue line went out with injury like that's been kind of the strength of the team and part of it has been all these young guys coming in with all this confidence and mm-hmm. moving the puck well and and looking comfortable and confident and composed. And then you add Yossi back in and he looks like a completely different player. Like he looks like the Norris Trophy winner from last year. You add Ekholm into the mix and he looks like a Norris Trophy candidate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you bring uh, Ben Harper into the lineup. To me, Ben Harper has been the most impressive player on the roster over the last 20 games. Uh, and it's it's surprising to me that I say that because uh, being an Ottawa fan and growing up watching the Sens for a number of years, I remember Ben Harper when he was playing in Ottawa, and I liked him. I I, I understood why he didn't get the minutes that he did because at that time Ottawa had guys like Eric Carlson and Mark Mathot and Dion Phaneuf and Mark Borowiecki. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going to get the minutes that he maybe should have, but again, like he's not as good as those guys were. 
But since he's come into the lineup, he's really been uh, a steadying presence. His, I mean, he's a big body. He's six foot six. Yeah. Uh, he moves the puck really well. He skates really well for someone of his size. Uh, and he's a, he's been really, really steady and consistent in the defensive zone. And I think that's something that they missed over the first 20 games. Um, and especially now with all the all the young guys and Yossi's coming back, Yossi's come back, Eklund's come back. Harper's been that one constant over the last 20-ish games that he's that he's been in the lineup for. Uh, and he's looked really good. Uh, so to me, like if you if you were to ask me like which one player has stood out the most, to me it's Ben Harper. And I know that's there not a popular go. pick. No, that's he he's not flashy. Like he's not Yossi, he's not Ellis, he's not gonna do something that makes you go, wow, that was really he's good. Doing, he's doing a lot of the dirty work down there. Yeah. And he doesn't always and, stick out the highlights. Yeah, and and to me, like I, I kind of have this sinking feeling in my stomach uh that once the blue line gets healthy again, Harper's not gonna be in the lineup anymore. Um and you know, that's a shame because I feel like he's earned his way into being a regular. Yeah. Um, and especially now with, you know, with so many injuries on the blue line too, like Fabro's out, Carrier's out. Uh, there are more young guys in the lineup. I almost wonder, like, at what point does John Hines try a defense well, with Roman Yossi and Ben Harper? Yeah. Because we haven't seen well, that yet. Well, I think, I think the number I saw the other night was the Preds have now used 14 defensemen this season, yeah. which is just an insane number to think about. And it, I think a lot of Preds fans are very worried about as players do start getting healthy. Um, what does that mean for the the younger players who have been such a critical part of? Because it's a tough position for John Hines, head coach John Hines, to be in because you can only start so many players. Obviously, so yeah. it's like, what do you do? It's like a it's a really tough dilemma to be in. It's a good problem to have because that means you are where you yeah. are right now. But at the same time. Man, it it's going to be tough. I'm I'm glad you brought up the blue line because it kind of helps me go into kind of my next question. Which so we were all thinking for sure we're we're we can't push the rebuild off any longer. It, it needs to happen, and I'm not saying it it still doesn't need to happen to some degree, but you know, obviously it's changed a little bit now. Winning will do that for you, and so I guess my question is. What does the future hold past this season for the, regarding the youth, regarding just like, okay, are the Preds maybe going to avoid a, a massive rebuild and maybe they can remain playoff competitive even going into next season after what we've seen? Kind of pull out your crystal ball for us here a little bit if you want. Kind of kind kind of, of tell us what you see happening going into next season and maybe even past next season. Yeah, I mean – and look, the Predators are going to have some tough uh, decisions to make next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I believe Ackholm will be in a contract year next year. Uh, Forsberg's going to be in a contract year next year. That Forsberg uh, those one, are, that those Forsberg, are two big. The Forsberg one is looming large right now. Yeah, those are two big pieces, and I think, um, you know, I know Ackholm was a, you know, a a big focal point on a lot of trade boards a month and a half ago before the Predators got into the playoff race. Um, but I, I think, you know, he's he's a good, steady, constant. And it'll be interesting kind of like I think a, a lot of Ekholm's future with the franchise will depend on how their season starts next year. Um, if it starts anything like they did this year, then maybe they'll they will push the the reset button and uh, and look to trade him for some assets. And I think uh, not that he's 
necessarily replaceable or expendable. But I think the fact that they have had so many young blue liners step up and play really well this year, I think that you can uh, you can justify trading a guy like Ekholm, even even though he's he's you know he's at at the very worst he's a number three defenseman on your second like mm-hmm. he's on the second pair. Uh, and I think you guys mentioned either last week or the week before, like he's basically been the first pair, even with Yossi back in the lineup. Like he's been getting a lot of those big minutes against other teams, uh, you know, big lines. Um, so it, it'll it be interesting to see what what happens with him next year. I, I My gut tells me that they want that they're going to want to keep Forsberg. Uh, even even if the season doesn't necessarily go well next year, that doesn't mean that they won't listen to. Uh, trade talks or maybe look at him becoming a rental uh, for someone and then looking to try and re-sign him in the, in the off season next year. Um, but I, th- I think in terms of next year, like based, based on, you know, I early in the season, I would, the goaltending worried me yes. uh, because Saros did not have a good start to the year. But again, since he's come back from injury, he's looked like a completely different player. So I think they're. I think they're definitely going to. They would probably move forward with him for sure. Yeah, I think moving forward with him as the starter, I I think that's a a safe bet. I think that's you know he'll he'll be okay. Um, the big the big question mark for that I have uh, about next year, and again, maybe it'll it'll depend on how the season starts, uh, how the first couple months go. Again, kind of assuming that it might be a full eighty-two game season next year. Like I know that's you know, that's a whole completely different discussion at this point. Uh, and I, and I know there's been a lot of talk on Twitter about this too, but like, what do the Preds do at center? They have two centers who are eating up $8 million cap hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't see them keeping both of them. I don't see both of them being on the roster at the end of next season. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, you know, not to say that they'll get rid of both so you're, of them. You're talking about I, Matt, you're talking about Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson. Yeah, sorry, right? yeah. Matt no, Duchesne good. and Ryan Johansson. I think I think one of them will stay will be on the roster when the season ends next year. Uh, but I think, you know, I, I think if they are going to move into any kind of reset or, you know, soft rebuild or even a full rebuild, uh, getting rid of one of those salaries is going to be in very important to achieving that. Um, which center will it be? I don't know. Which center? I, I know who I who I would pick. I would yeah. pick to keep Duchesne. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I've I've tweeted about this a lot over the last couple of weeks. Like, look at their uh, not even just looking at their point production, but looking at things like shot production uh, or the you know the the amount of chances that they help create. Like Duchesne is is more dynamic and has been more dynamic this year. Um, it's but, been a shame. Uh, it's been a shame to see Duchesne miss so much time this season because he's. He gets a lot of criticism, and and some of it is just not fair criticism whatsoever. And I mean, you take that with the territory. A player like you know Matt Duchesne, who came over to the Preds originally as a major acquisition, and so he he was up against that pressure from the start. And yeah. uh, it's just a shame that he he's missed all this time. And it happened coincidentally with right when the Preds started on this hot streak and. So, you know, you've got these thoughts, prevailing thoughts of, oh, well, it must have been Matt Duchesne that was the problem because the preps, and I, that's just stuff I got to throw out on the wayside when that stuff comes out. Yeah. But um, so I'm hoping that Duchesne can get an opportunity, as you're saying, to really 
you know, avoid the injury bug and, and show his worth so that he can be a part of this team for the long-term future. Yeah. And, and, you know, like the, the other part of it too, is uh, it's not like they're going on this big run because Ryan Johansson is playing really well. Uh, he's not in my, in my opinion, uh, at least from, you know, from a production or a creating offense perspective. Yeah. But that's not to say that he doesn't come out and score 25 points in the first 20 games next year. Like that could, he's that, got that, that is so, he's, he's, he's got that, that type of he's player. Definitely he, got he that could ability. definitely do that. I just, um, as, as you're saying, his, his, his assist numbers are what stick out to me. Like he was an assist machine for the Preds just a couple seasons ago, had over 50 assists, I believe. And, and, and I know you can go even deeper into those analytics and see some other stuff, but just on the surface alone, you can see that Johansson has definitely taken a big dip since, you know, before last season, I, sh I should say. And so, you know, he's had his moments, though, throughout this uh, recent stretch. He's also had his moments. Of course, that slow motion shootout goal he scored. Uh, yeah. Everyone everyone loves that stuff. But as far mm -hmm. as in the game, not in a shootout, you know, we're, we're yeah. just like Duchesne, we're looking for Johansson to really step up in this moment. Yeah, and, and that shootout goal that you mentioned, I mean, that's just a glimpse into what Johansson has the ability to do. Oh, it's my just, gosh. You know, yeah. can he can he do this? On, can he do that on a more consistent basis during mm. it? And, you know, maybe he turns it on here over the next uh, 15 games or however many exactly are left, but, you know, which would be great, you know, mm -hmm. if, if the Predators are already on this type of tear and, and scoring a bunch of goals. Imagine if Johansson gets hot. Oh, wow. How, how many more they can score, right? Absolutely. The, and, and I think people were just – maybe they weren't so excited about going into the next couple seasons before all this youth got their chance to play um, due to all these injuries. But now, suddenly, regardless of what happens the remainder of this current season, I mean, there's reasons to be really excited about the near future for the Nashville Predators. Yeah. I mean, we still have – we're still waiting to see Philip Tomasino get up here. I know. Uh, David Ferentz made his debut, NHL debut. A lot of people are really high on David Ferentz. Uh, Connor Ingram is finally getting back into the AHL, is projected as the future backup to Soros. That's what everyone's always thought. Yep. Um, and, and, of course, you got Yaroslav Askarov, who was our draft pick. There's just so much coming through the pipeline right now that have Preds fans very, very excited, regardless of what happens the remainder of this current season. Yeah. And and the thing that I think is really encouraging from a predator's perspective is the fact that we've, you know, we've just spent the last five minutes talking about the great young talent that the Preds have, and we haven't mentioned Ely Tolvanen's name in this conversation. <laughs> which is kind of uh, blasphemy on our part, but yeah, um, which there's just so much it, to comb there's so much to comb through. Yeah, it speaks to the, you know, the depth that maybe we didn't know the Preds had before. Like I know before the season, one of the one of the criticisms uh towards the predators was well like who is their depth like they have all these guys on the roster with nhl experience but like look through their their prospect system and like who are like who are these guys and carrier like we know who carrier is now we know who davies is now we mm -hmm. you know we're we're gonna find out who ferentz is now and uh tolvanen has really stepped up and and you know he really put like he's put the power play on his back basically uh over, really the has, over the last yeah. few games before he got hurt yeah um but Pretty amazing he, he's stuff. a guy too. Like you can, you know, again, assuming that you can you can hang on to to Forsberg, but like with Forsberg and Tolvanen, uh, you know, on on your first line, like you can build around that. Especially, you know, knowing that you have a a franchise cornerstone in in Roman Yossi mm -hmm. and and other depth on the blue line. Like the, those are pieces that you can build around and build with. Yeah.
All right, so yeah, so we're uh, being joined by Ray Perkin, who writes for the Hockey Writers and covers the Preds. He's joining us for a segment here on episode 35 of the Catfish and Ice podcast. Let's dive into um, this. Let's go back to current times here, and let's look into, you know, that we're right in this playoff stretch here. Preds are holding on to the fourth spot. I even saw um, – I'm even seeing, like, crazy enough, the Preds being, like, put into some people's, like, top five power rankings. I think that's a little – going a little too overboard there. But um, they are definitely on people's radars once again, which is really cool to see. And let's see how they can navigate through injury after injury. They've they've done it, but you have to wonder how long they can sustain this. I mean, how many injuries can you deal with? And I know a lot of teams are dealing with similar issues. I'm not saying the Preds are alone in that. But uh, uh, Ray, what do you think? What do you? How far do you think they can really ride ride this wave realistically and objectively? I know we want to see them yeah. riding it, obviously. But I mean, what's what's the measuring stick? Like, what do we really think? Okay, this is this is their ceiling. This is probably what's going to happen, and we should be happy and pleased with it and going to mm-hmm. next season with a new clean slate. Well, I mean, you, you look at the remaining schedule and they have games left against Tampa. They have games left against Florida. They have games left against Carolina. Those to me, like those are those are three of the top teams in the league mm-hmm. right now, let alone the division. Yeah. Uh, the the biggest three games from a Predators perspective, they have three games in a row coming up against Chicago in a five day span. And to me, Chicago, I know Dallas is getting healthy. Um, and, you know, they're going to get guys like Tyler Sagan and Ben Bishop back potentially. Uh, but to me, I look at Chicago as being maybe the, uh, the team that has the best chance at catching Nashville for the fourth playoff spot. So those three games are going to be crucial. Yes. Um, three in a row, three in a row against the same team that almost never happens. Yeah. And I think, I think the first one is in Nashville and then the, the second two are both in Chicago. Um, so being able to come away with. Uh, you know, at least two regulation wins, I think would pretty much, I mean, it doesn't do anything mathematically, but I think that pretty much seals the deal that Nashville will finish ahead of Chicago in the standings. Yes. Um, from kind of from a momentum standpoint. Like you can almost, you can almost check off one of those teams and say, okay, yeah. we don't really have to worry about this team anymore. Yeah. Um, Columbus is kind of a wild card too, but I know like they're starting to trade a bunch of their assets. Yes. So it yeah, seems they're like they're of- kind of, they're kind of folding at this point uh, yeah. in, instead of staying in the hand to use the a poker reference. Um, <laughs> as, assuming that the predators can, can hang on to this fourth spot uh, and, and make the playoffs. I think again, based on how the season started, I think that's a huge achievement and something you can build on. Uh, you know, again, it, keeping the core intact, uh, keeping some of these young guys uh, around goes a long way to sustaining that kind of success through the next year, two yeah, years, yeah. so on and so forth. Um, but, you know, you look at those three other teams ahead of them in the standings and like Tampa Bay, I think they're, they're a top three team in, in the entire league. And they, whether they're not, whether or not they're there in the standings, I think they're, they're primed for a repeat and they, they have the ability to do that. Have they, uh, uh, and I don't think, I, gotta, I think you can say that no one would bat an eye. They'd be like, yep, Tampa's gotta, good. So have you seen, have they announced whether the first round is going to be five or seven game series? Has that been made official yet? Uh, I haven't heard anything. I've kind of been under the assumption that uh, that it would be a seven game okay. series. Now, some of that might depend on when the regular season actually 
ends. I know I there's wanted, still questions. I wanted, to make, I wanted to make sure I didn't overlook something. Maybe I missed something. Yeah. If, if they did announce it, it was going to be like like the first round would be a five-game series. But, you know, a seven-game series, no matter who they end up playing, whether, you know, of course, if they make it in. I, out of those three, I guess I would – I mean, it's pick your poison. I definitely don't want yeah. any part of Carolina in the first round. That's no. the team – that's the least team I would want to face in the yeah. first round. Maybe – out of all three, I feel like the Preds would have the best chance at maybe upsetting the Florida Panthers only because yeah. they have beaten them twice and they have kind of hung with them matchup-wise. But I'm I'm right there with you. Just making the playoffs after everything they've been through, I think fans would have to come away with that, feeling pretty good about that. I know fans are sick of losing in the playoffs. I know that this franchise is starving for their first Stanley Cup. But when you put everything together of what this season, how it went and where we're at now, yeah. I think you have to put it into perspective here and think that this season is unlike the other seasons where the Preds lost in the first round, where the expectations were much higher and you already expected to make the playoffs. That was a given. And then you just yeah. lay a dud, for instance, against the Dallas Stars in 2019. Yeah. And I, and you, you talked about perspective in the same season being different. I mean, Look at a the way the season started, which was awful, and b the amount of injuries that they've gone through and are going through. And I think making the playoffs is, you know, that that's a great sign. I think fans can be happy about that, uh, you know, as kind of a moral victory. Uh, but again, like once you make the playoffs, anything can happen. Anything and, can happen. That's the beauty. That's the beauty of NHL playoffs. And and I, you know, I I. I mentioned earlier, like I, I'm a Sens fan. I, I've grown up watching the Sens. I've watched them and followed them closely for a long, long time. Uh, I'm kind of getting some 2017 Ottawa Senators vibes from this Predators okay. team, where they're, you know, they're kind of limping and and you know, mirac not miraculously, but you know, they they find their way into the playoffs. Uh, and I remember that year in 2017, like Ottawa was up against Boston in round one, and everyone was like, oh, Boston in five, like yeah, that's a given. Yeah. Ottawa won that series. And then they mm -hmm. played New York and everyone was like, you know, Lundqvist was still playing really well and they had a bunch of other things going for them. And everyone was like, oh yeah, Rangers in five. Like that's, yeah, that's yeah. an easy pick. And the Senators won that series. And then they're up against Pittsburgh and everyone's going, okay, well, yeah, like Pittsburgh's going to take this one in four, like no shot. And Ottawa pushed them to double overtime in game seven. Uh, um, I still remember that and, game like it was yesterday because yeah. of course the Preds were hit. The Preds had already gotten into the Stanley cup. And so we were all watching this, like, who are we going to play? Who are we going to play? And, yeah, and uh, we didn't want to play the Penguins, I'll be honest. No. But um, either way, we'll never know. That's, you know, that was um, for both for both of our teams, the Preds and the Senators, what a what a magical playoff run in 2017 yeah. for both teams. And it, does, yeah, and it, does, it does go to show you anything can happen. Yeah, and, and you look at kind of some of the similarities, like who was Ottawa's best player that year? Well, in that playoff run, Eric Carlson was the best hockey player in the world. I don't think that's debatable. Like, he was yeah. unbelievable. Uh, Roman Yossi right now, I, I don't know if I'd say he's the best player in the world, but this is the best we've seen him play in a long time. And that, yeah. keep in mind, like, this guy won the Norris last year. Yeah. He's he's reaching that, that next level once again. Uh, Ottawa had really, really good goaltending as they were approaching the playoffs and into the playoffs. Well, Rene and Saros have both been playing out of their mind over the last few games. Uh, Ottawa was getting scoring and not, not only scoring from their, their big guns, but scoring from depth guys too. You look at Nashville right now, like, yeah, Arvidsson had a hat trick last night, but they're also getting goals from 
uh, you know, Sissons and, and, you know, Tolvanen wasn't a first line player at the start of the year. Uh, Yarncroak is, is not a first line player. Like Eric Howla and Michael Granlund are playing really well and they've been everywhere in the lineup. First line, line, like they're scoring whoever they're playing with. So um, to me, the, like the one big question mark for Nashville uh, moving forward is their penalty kill. Cause it last, I, I think it's still the worst in the league. It's probably, um, still, I mean, that's pretty much where we, where we uh, reside constantly yeah. is in that last, I think we've bounced between 31st and 30th, but yeah, and at that point, I think a part of that bad. is because like they, they started the season so poorly. Like it was yeah, like every, ball, yeah. every second power play or every second penalty kill. The puck it was, was so bad. It was hard to watch. Um, so it was very I, I hard think it's improved a little bit since then, but that still is definitely the weakness. Uh, and you know, if you're going, if you're going to take down a team like Tampa Bay or Carolina or Florida, all of whom have really good power plays, you're going to have to either stay completely out of the penalty box, which is hard, which is in, which is unrealistic. Plus, uh, plus the style they play, I don't think it's yeah. They take penalties. It's just what this team does. Yeah, no, they, and yeah, you're right. So I think uh, that might be the the biggest kind of downfall Absolutely. going into uh whether it's a five game or a seven game series against one of the you know the one of the big three teams in the division. Yeah. All right. So let's let's get you out of here with this. This has been a great discussion so far with Ray Perkin of the hockey writers who covers the Nashville Predators for them. Uh let's talk about the expansion draft, which is getting here soon and it's gonna be very entertaining to watch. Um we all know what happened with the Vegas Golden Knights and the how they stacked their roster with a lot of really good good players. Um, when it comes to the Seattle Kraken, I'm seeing them really, you know, they have a good chance to get a really good goaltender out of this, just like the Golden Knights did. Um, but when it, in respects to the Preds and who the Preds could lose, I really feel like I'll see if you agree with me, Ray. I really think the writings on the wall that the Preds are going to lose are really good um, forward out of this. I just don't see the numbers working out, but maybe you see it differently. So kind of, how do you see it, Ray? How do you see the expansion draft looking for, uh, for the Preds? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I mean, you, you look at the blue line and there's a lot of depth on the blue line, but, uh, you know, uh, Yossi has the no movement clause. I definitely see them protecting Ellis and Ekholm. Uh, and you know, a guy like Borowiecki might be tempting, but he's only got one year left on his contract. And, uh, you know, with, with his injury situation and, and, you know, he, he's a guy who I think will still be in Nashville through the expansion draft. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I agree with you in the sense that they're going to lose a forward. Now, who, who is that forward going to be? I, I don't know. Part of it depends on who they protect. Uh, presumably they're going to protect Forsberg and Arvidsson. Uh, I can see Callie Yarncroke being a guy who they're going to protect. Uh, potentially again, like, I don't, I don't know for sure, but I, you know, just yeah. based on how he's played this year at both ends of the ice, uh, he's a guy that I, I see them wanting to, to keep around at least through his contract next year, or, you know, potentially be a trade asset next year, depending on how next season starts. Um, you know, maybe it's a guy like Colton Sissons, uh, yes. who again, he's like, he's a guy, he's a guy who can play anywhere, uh, in the lineup. He's played on the first line at times this year. He's played on the fourth line at times this year. Uh, you know, Luke Cunning, who is a guy who next summer is going to be a restricted free agent. Uh, so not only would uh, Seattle get to, you know, have him next year, but they'd still have his rights after next season, even though his contract expires. 
Um, and again, he's another guy like he can play anywhere in the lineup, first line, second line, third line, power play. This uh, is a penalty kill guy too. So Luke, uh, Luke Cunning has really, really raised his uh, personal stock since coming back yeah. from his, from his own injury. He was, a, he had another <laughs> Preds player who was injured. Um, and he, and then you bring up Colton Sissons. I feel like I wasn't thinking this way going into the season, but Colton Sissons looks like a player that we could end up losing for sure. And Here's the thing about Sissons. He's the only player on the Preds that have, that has played in every game this season, which yeah. is pretty amazing. And, and the appealing thing about him from uh, Seattle's perspective is uh, he doesn't become a free agent until 2026, and he's a cap hit of just around 2.8, 2.9 million. Uh, if that's a guy who can play on the first line and score 25 or 30 goals, which I think, not saying he's going to do that, but I think the potential is there. Uh, that he could be that type of player, like almost like William Carlson was in Vegas their first year, uh, or Jonathan Marcheseau, like a guy who kind of floats under the radar and then goes to the expansion team and explodes. Yeah. I think, you know, he could be that type of guy. Uh, and again, like he's he's cheap and affordable at two point eight, two point nine. Uh, the one thing to keep in mind, and the one and the one thing that's going to be kind of interesting to see is is the the position that we talked about before with those two eight million dollar centers because seattle's going to have to get to the salary cap floor uh they're not going to be able to do that you know picking a bunch of guys who are 2.8 2.9 million dollar hits uh through the expansion draft they're not going to be able to get to the salary cap floor uh necessarily through free agency so i like does and again, like I have, there's nothing, there's no evidence. Yeah, we're just speculating. That this is anything totally that's going to happen. This is this is entirely my own personal speculation. Yeah. Um, and like I, I haven't seen this written anywhere or reported anywhere. It's just again my own speculation. But I wonder if Nashville works out one of those, uh, like side deals with, uh, Seattle and says like, hey, we'll leave you Duchesne or Johansson available. We'll take. $1.5 million of their salary. So you're still getting like a decent sized salary of six, six and a half million. Uh, you get a top line center uh, who has term on his contract. Uh, that's a you know, really, I think Duchesne that's is 2026 as well. And Johansson's 2025. Uh, and in exchange, you know, maybe they get a conditional draft pick down the road. Like one of those side deals, like because you know that's going to happen. Like that's what happened with. And then, and then uh, in return, the Preds Vegas. get out of. And in return, the Preds get out of one of these long contracts that they might want to get out of. So, yeah. or so if that's a that's not a far fetched uh, thought at all. Yeah, I, I I don't know the likelihood of that. Like I I I would think that if the Predators are going to jettison, jettison one of those two centers, that they're going to do that through. Uh, a, like a proper trade, like player for players and assets. Uh, but I mean, it's an interesting thought. Like, what if that's how they? Like, what if there are no uh, no bites for Duchesne at the at, in the off season? Or what if there? What if no one is interested in a in a Johansson trade? Like, maybe that's just a way to, like you said, like just offload one of those big contracts that they're not going to want to keep around for all, a long time. Oh man. So many storylines with the NHL this season, and it's just been it's been fun to watch. And Ray, I really appreciate you uh, joining us on episode thirty five of the Catfish and Ice podcast. We got to do this again sometime. I hope everything's going well up in north of the border for you. Uh, go follow Ray Perkin at Ray Perkin on Twitter. He writes for the Hockey Writers. Uh, the Hockey Writers. Go read all of his awesome content for them. 
Uh, he interacts with us a lot on Twitter, and uh, we always have some good uh, discussion on there. So go check that out. And uh, that's going to do it for episode 35 of Catfish and Ice Podcast presented by DraftKings. We will see you uh, uh, for the next episode later this week. And until, until then, go Preds. And everyone stay safe and take care of one another. And we'll see you next week. Hey, hockey fans. I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. We host the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. We're lifelong hockey fans who talk about the game and the lifestyle. Our guests include professional hockey players. My rookie party had to wear Speedo, and then we had a checklist of stuff we had to do. Here we go, Gaber. What do you got to say? And it's kind of <laughs> like, you know better than that now, boys. I got dressed for the Bruins. I get a phone call. He's like, dude, we need you over here by the elevator. You got to get downstairs. You got to get dressed right now. I started playing the like, dun, 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 and I turned it around and it had the Olympic rings and said, we did it. NHL team hockey reporters. I actually took the Stanley Cup to this ice bar where they've got now girls around them and I've got a fur coat on. <laughs> I wonder who, who he should have checked over here. And then <laughs> I, I looked down at my face. Hockey fans. The entire bar was lined with guys in Kings jerseys. We quickly realized, oh my gosh, this is the dad's trip. And we bring unique hockey stories to light. Coming back to England, 24 right. rings in the entire country. That's where the problem starts with the sport of ice hockey here. Canadian Blind Hockey Association, those few kids we interviewed, their whole week is built around Sunday at the rink. They're just hockey players. We don't agree on everything. Pineapple goes on pizza. <gasps> no, it does not. <laughs> I think it does. Well, we do agree that there are many people and places that build the House of Hockey. New episodes every Tuesday. Come on in to the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network.